With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Matt. So there's a bar just up the road from our house. It's like a five-minute walk from my house to the bar. But it's a 45-minute walk from the bar to my house. The difference is staggering. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I'm doing great if I don't get blown away. I know, man. I know. We're going to try to get through this before the NATOs hit you. Because <laughs> it, it, you, you're getting the one that blew through us last night. And yeah. like I was telling you before, there was some straight line winds that I I don't even know. They But they blew stuff off our patio out into the yard as it whipped around. Um, as we were laying there in bed, I I thought... There was going to be like an overpressure problem with the windows and then blow out because it would hit and the windows would go. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would be terrible. It would be. So hopefully none of that hits, at least until we're done recording. Um, But we want to say real quick, go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. Uh, you can find different shows to listen to. We're proud to be associated with these um, different shows and with the Podbelly Network. So check them out, podbelly.com. We also want to thank tonight's sponsors, Care of, Every Plate, and Raycon. And we will talk a little bit more about our sponsors throughout the episode. While you're on the internet and you're looking up pictures of me and Matt or you know searching for the Graveyard Tales bathing suit calendar or whatever you're doing on the internet, um, go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales. You can sign up to become a patron. We've got three different levels, one, five, and 10. And our $10 patrons every week, they get the video version of us recording the episode. And this episode, in fact, is going to have a lot in the beginning of the episode that didn't get put into the audio version because it was Matt. And I just sitting and BSing before we started. So you'll get to see all that minus the pee break that I took. But um, we'll put all that in there. Um, Actually see the pee break. Yeah, right. I, I take the camera with me. So no, I don't. That, that would be gross. Um, but we, we give a lot of behind the scenes with those videos and we don't cut as much out. So you get to see some of the mess ups that we have and and the the weird faces we make at each other during the recording and stuff like that so if you're interested in that go check out patreon.com 
not going to tell you what he just did to me, but you can just <laughs> see it when you look at the video. Um, go check out patreon.com slash graveyard tales and become a patron. We couldn't keep doing this show without our patrons. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right, Matt. So let's take a second and talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Care Of. You probably, if you've listened to us before, you've heard us talk about Care Of. We're big fans of Care Of. We're big fans of the fact that you can get your multivitamin fix sent to your house. It's cool um, because you just take the little test and then you get them sent to your house. But with Care Of's compostable daily packs and sustainably sourced ingredient efforts, They're aiming to help you take care of not only your wellness, but also the environment. Care Of helps you keep an eco-friendly mindset throughout your health and wellness journey while also making taking your vitamins easy and convenient. Care Of's personalized packs are made from plant-based compostable film that includes wood pulp and a fermented blend of corn, cassava root, and sugar cane so you can feel good about the impact your vitamins are having not only on your health, but also the planet. Which is cool, because if yeah. if you're thinking about it, oh, I'm using a little pack every day that's got to be adding to the trash. Well, it doesn't, because it's compostable. And that's right. the, the personalized packs, like they mentioned, it's got your name on it. Mine says Adam, of course. It doesn't say, like, Jim Bob or anything. It says Adam on there. <laughs> well, thank you. You're not taking Jim Bob's vitamins. Right? Who knows what I would end up with, but... Then it has an inspirational quote or something, which I think is pretty cool on there. Every morning when you're taking your vitamins, you can read the pack and then feel good about pitching it in the compost. Yeah. And, you know, the two the two most irritating things about taking vitamins and supplements is, number one, figuring out what you need to take. Oh, yeah. And, and number two, dealing with a cabinet full of different bottles oh yeah and you 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 forget one you leave one out you're you, you feel like you're just covered up and in, in all these bo- digging through where's my whatever yeah care of makes all of that go away the the online quiz that you take it, it asks you questions that you may not even have thought about your health but you're like do i care about my heart health what yeah you know, you know, I'm I'm looking at myself. You know, I'm I'm 48 years old. You know, I, I want to start thinking about those kind of things. And so, Kerov tells me what supplements would be most beneficial for me. And then it comes to the house. I don't have to go to the store. I don't have to go to multiple stores to find different supplements. They all come and they're all prepackaged, and I don't have to worry about all those bottles. I just tear open a new pack every day. Take my vitamins and supplements, and I'm out the door. Exactly. I mean, it cannot be any easier, and that's what makes Care Of so great. I agree with you. I, I hate the bottles, and Ashley hates me having multiple bottles sitting on the countertop because before Care Of, that's what I did. I had like eight or ten different bottles sitting there, and it took up all the space on our bathroom cabinet, and she'd get so angry. Now with the Care Of, she loves it because it's just one little box. Yeah. So, for Graveyard Tales listeners, you can get 50% off your first Care-of order of $40 or more. All you have to do is go to TakeCareOf.com and enter our code GRAVE50. That's G-R-A-V-E 
1-800-242-8850. That's right. For 50% off your first care of order of $40 or more, go to takecareof.com, T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-F.com and enter our code GRAVE50, G-R-A-V-E-5-0. So, Matt, why don't you tell us what what's happening this episode? And you may not fully know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> at all. I have no idea. This is a total surprise. No, I know a little. Um, so uh, just like last week, uh, we've done this before where one of us, um, in, in essence, will give the other one a week off. Um, where we'll do all the research ourselves and uh, and cover the entire topic, almost like we're gonna we're gonna make uh, you know last week I made Adam one of the listeners. You know I, I taught him about the terrace in tonight, and I'm man I'm gonna I, I'm I've been practicing today, man. I, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna mess it up, okay? But tonight. Adam is going to discuss the Mokele Mbembe. Hey, what yep. do you know? Very, very, very close. I mean, it's oh, close. I thought I nailed it. Well, he, he says, oh, it's close. You you got everything, but there's a little bit of extra mm on the front of the Bembe. Oh, a little, a little, little extra mm in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but the but if you if you listen to our episode about lesser known cryptids. You uh you noticed that there were several in Africa. Yep. And there's there's a reason for that. That if something was going to go undiscovered, that this is where it would be. Hundred percent. Because there are yep. areas of Africa that are extraordinarily difficult to explore. They're they're not heavily populated. Um, you know, there's there's heavy, heavy brush, there's dangerous animals. So it's not somewhere where you just like, I can just take a hike through this place. Yeah, it's right. not that simple. Even for scientists and researchers, they have a lot of difficulty. And with um w- with those added problems comes added cost as well. Mm-hmm. So when you have to prepare for so much, all of that eats into whatever research budget you have, and you may not be able to to do as much as you would wish. And I say all that to say, this is why a lot of these cryptids that are in Africa could potentially be undiscovered species. Right, right. So we're going we're gonna to talk about another one. Um, that is extraordinarily popular. I believe we touched on it a little bit in the lesser known cryptids, yep. but we did not discuss it. So, yep, we mentioned it for sure. So, Adam, the floor is yours. All right. So, yeah, like Matt said, we we touched on this briefly in the lesser known cryptids, and I'm sure if you're into cryptozoology at all, you have heard the name Mokele Mimbe. And it it's very, it, it's one of those cryptids that gets brought up a lot, 
when comparing mm-hmm. it to something else, but it's right. not one that many people dive into. And me being the cryptozoology weirdo that I am, I'd like to dive into those. <laughs> um, so that that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, like we always say, go check our sources down in the bottom of the show notes. Now, most of the info I've got in my notes came from the books that I have in my bookshelf. But there is a lot of good information on the Internet down mm-hmm. in the links that are in the sources and even further beyond that. Um, you can even go to Wikipedia, scroll down to the bottom of the uh, the little information insert in Wikipedia and get their sources, their linked sources and go there. Ignore what yeah. Wikipedia says, but go follow their sources and you may find some good information there. Um, but let's let's go ahead and get into it. Now, the Mokele Mimbe which means the one who stops the flow of rivers in the Lingala language is a dinosaur-like cryptid that lives in the Congo. So we touched on it when we mentioned the dinosaur-like cryptid um, and the uh, Groot slang in the lesser-known cryptids because it kind of inhabits similar areas. Now, it's said to look kind of like a sauropod or a long-necked dinosaur, uh, mm-hmm. such as the Apatosaurus or the Diplodocus or Brontosaurus, which now is not called Brontosaurus. It's Brachiosaurus or something. Right. Dang dinosaur names always switching from what we had as kids. But um, if I bring it up, I will probably say Brontosaurus because I'm old and it's hard to change things. So just know, I mean, the newer whatever term that they call it now. Now, it's said to be at least the size of an elephant and larger, um, and it can get up to 35 feet long, which is huge for a land-dwelling animal nowadays. Right. Um, You know, that was common um, during some of the older epochs, but not nowadays. Uh, Well, I was going to say, you know, just just look at, you know, the animals that we have now that are roughly considered to be descendants of dinosaurs mm-hmm. and, and the size like, like alligators and, um, you know, even when you think about things like tigers versus saber tooth tigers or yeah. elephants versus woolly mammoths, mm-hmm. you know, those, those prehistoric, uh, creatures were much larger based on the fossils and remains that we've been able to uncover than their counterparts of the modern day. Right. So things just gradually got smaller. Yeah. And I think there was a couple environmental factors to that is, you know, from what scientists and researchers say back then there was more available food source for these Mm -hmm. animals so they could get larger. Plus, there was higher oxygen levels on Earth than we have now. Um, so that's why things like bugs, you know, you could have the four foot long dragonflies in fossil record. And that's because the oxygen levels were higher. So things were able to get larger. But also the food source, it was a everywhere was a tropical climate. So 
the the foliage grew like crazy, which meant the things like uh, the Mokaleomembe type creatures could get huge off eating the plants. And then mm-hmm. to eat them, you had to be even bigger. So, yeah, they they didn't have to compete. Right. Right. Um, you know, there, there wasn't deforestation mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time. You know, they weren't driven out of their habitat by, uh, you know, skyscrapers and and roads and all that other stuff. Right. So, I mean, they just had what what whatever nature could provide. They just they had it. Yep. Yep. Now, the Mokele Umembe is said um, to be at the shoulders about five to seven feet high. So that's a, a tall creature. Again, huge creature up to 35 feet long and five to seven foot high at the shoulders. That's not including the long neck that it has, um, which we'll talk about. But um, it has a smooth reddish brown or brownish gray skin. So it it can blend in with its surroundings there a little bit. But the males are said to have a single long horn or tusk. Obviously, we don't have a fossil or specimen of it, so we can't tell if it is a horn or a tusk. But it's been witnessed to have one or the other, whatever it is. Um, now, its head is said to look kind of serpentine in shape. And it has a really long, flexible neck, like the Apatosaurus would. But the neck is said to be between 6 and 12 feet long, and it's as thick as a man's thigh. That's a big neck. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, Its neck is as long as I am tall. I'm 6 foot 2, so it, it's a, a long neck. Um, now, the feet, they say, are very similar to an elephant's foot. So when you see the prints, which we'll talk about shortly, um, they're very similar to an elephant's, but there are distinct differences. So they know this is not an elephant or this is not a hippo. This is the mokele. Um, now, it's it has a long muscular tail um, to match the long muscular neck just like brontosaurus would Mm -hmm. so picture like a brontosaurus or just google search the mokele umembe and you'll see representations of what people think they look like right and and it's it's pretty varied but yeah yeah there is there is still that brontosaur or brachiosaur shape Uh to just all the pictures i've seen right you know the head may be a little different. The tail may be a little different, but that's still what you see. Mm-hmm. Now, the locals say the creatures are amphibious and that they live in caves on or near the banks of the river. Now, some are said to also live in the forest near these rivers. Um, they're also known to dig out caves to lay in in the riverbanks. So they're... And this could have been the situation for uh, prehistoric dinosaurs like Brontosaurus as well. They spend a lot of their time in the river, but they also will come out of the river to travel from one waterway to another. Mm-hmm. And all, it, it, kind of the the lifestyle of a hippo. Think about it yeah. that way. Um, I mean, if you've got that much weight 
it is easier to support in water. So it makes sense why they would be in in the rivers and stuff. Um, but they also, they dig out holes in the riverbank. So if you're at a river and you see a big cave dug out in the side, a lot of people will say that the Mokele did that, dug that out to be able to lay in. Yeah. Now, when the creature moves, they say it either moves alone or at most in pairs and the pairs are thought to be male female mating pairs so you don't see herds of these things wandering across the savannah yeah or two or two dudes right you right. know they're they're sitting over you know knocking back a few cold ones <laughs> right right <laughs> and checking out the uh the lady mokele on the at the other lake you know how you can always tell a female mokele in in the river, right? How's that? Well, they have to wear that little bikini top, you know, right there. Oh you know? yeah. So that's what they're looking for. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and it's no wonder that uh, they say the male mokeles are all horned up or tusked up something. <laughs> now, <laughs> Google uh, all this. You'll see that what we're saying is exactly right. Yeah, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Mokele bikinis and all that stuff. <laughs> Now, uh, they are known to make a loud, deep-throated, trumpeting-type growl that can be heard for miles. Now, apparently, they don't make a lot of noise. Like, it's not a constant grunting. Like, if you're around a hippo herd or a herd of elephants, they're always making noise and and communicating with each other. The Mokele doesn't do it often, but when it does, you can hear that noise for miles. Um, and we'll, I've got a little story later that will touch on that. Now, the Mokele Umimbe is an herbivore. Locals say that it prefers to eat the apple-like fruit from the lianus that has white blossoms, and it's known locally as the malombo. Um, now, it's said that they are, um, they will aggressively defend their territory. Yeah. So... Not that they're going out looking to necessarily kill you, but if you're in their territory, they will aggressively defend their territory. Now, it's also said that the Mokele will kill hippos, elephants, and crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you know anything about hippos, hippos in Africa kill more people than lions do. Right. So... Yeah. These things are big, and and they will kill people, and the Mokele is said to be able to kill them. So you know that's a big, tough animal. Yeah, so like when that story came out about um, Pablo Escobar's compound, you know, he he brought in those hippos Mm -hmm. to kind of help defend the compound. People are like, hippos? Well, now there's like 80. Oh, really? And that was that was when I first heard this story, which was probably a year or two ago. Hmm. Um, and they don't know what to do because they're they're not native to right. South America, and the ecosystem doesn't support them. And yep. now you've got an entire herd of hippos, and they're just destroying everything. You know, That's eating crazy. anything they can get, and you can't just wander in there and go, "Come along, little hippos." No. Right. Right. I mean, you're not going to be able to just shoot a net and capture them. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're aggressive. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, of course, they're, they're not gonna. The Colombian government's not gonna go. Eh, well, we just went in there and blasted them all away. Yeah, that's um, not a good look. You know, but imagine trying to transport eighty hippos or more to to where they would be native, which is all the way across the ocean. Right. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. That's insane. Um, have you seen the the things of people? Uh, in the little helicopters that net the goats for mm-hmm. research, they'll shoot a net out of like a net shotgun and catch these goats. I can just picture somebody trying to do that with these hippos. With a hippo? yeah, yeah, you'd have to get the army helos out there to be able to lift the thing. <laughs> It'd look like the the gun the gun that would shoot the net would look like a bazooka. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'd have five to six inch thick rope just to lift it up now it has also been reported um that the mokele does not like the hippopotamuses in the area and will kill them on site but it doesn't eat them so it's an herbivore it's not going to eat them but i guess it it, well, it competes for territory and food is what I'm assuming. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's it's a it's a it's a competitor for the food. Mm-hmm. And you know who and, and territory too. I'd imagine. Yeah. Because um, they you know they both you know live around rivers. Yep. Um. So you know they're gonna they're gonna interact. Yep. But you know we talked about how dangerous these hippos are. And here's an animal that attacks and kills hippos. Yep, on site. No questions yeah. asked. It's a hippo mercenary or something. <laughs> um, now, hippopotamuses, because of that, cannot be found where the Mokeleomembe lives. So if you have hippos in a waterway, pretty much guaranteed that there's not going to be any Mokele sightings there. But if you go somewhere and there's no hippos, most likely you're going to have Mokele Umembe sightings. So keep that in mind when we touch on this next part and some of the stories that I've got, because it said that the Mokele overturns canoes and kills the occupants by lashing its tail. Mm -hmm. And we know that hippos will kill humans that way. They overturn canoes and attack drown the the people or bite them and crush them so if there's no hippos in a waterway but somebody's canoe gets overturned and they die what could do that well it's said that that's the mokele since there's no hippos it has to be something else but also they say that its skin is poisonous um and have a story touching on that as well to kind of prove that point. Now, the tracks are said to be hippopotamus-like, like I was saying, but they're larger, closer to an elephant's size, but they look kind of like a hippo's. They're about 12 inches in diameter is what they say. Now, the difference here between an elephant and a mokele is that they have three clawed toes, so when you look at the prints, if it looks like a big elephant's footprint, but you mm-hmm. see the claws in the front of this footprint, yeah. well, elephants don't have claws. 
They have little toenails. So if it's a clawed elephant footprint, you know it's not an elephant, and it's said to be a mokele. Now, they also make a furrow in their tracks with their tail. So it looks like something like a large snake or a wagon wheel would make. So if you see the the tracks, you know how when an alligator walks and you can see its footprints, but then there's also the tail drag from them Mm -hmm. dragging their tail. That's what they say these tracks look like. So if you ever see elephant-like tracks with a furrow running between their tracks, that's most likely going to be a mokele that you just caught the tracks of a mokele umimbe. So leave. Exactly. Get the (laughs) heck out of there. Don't stick around. Now, apparently it is distributed in the Bay River, the Liquala Ox Herbes River, the Liquala Swamp, Lake Makele, uh, the Senga River, and many others in the Republic of the Congo and in 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 Kalimba River and others in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So it's it's not isolated to one of those. It's either it, it they either travel back and forth or they just have different populations in different areas. So let let's get into some sightings and stuff like that. Now there's a West African carving of a strange animal that's currently housed at the Glen Calmeridge House in County Tipperary in Ireland. And Matt, if you look up pictures, you will probably run across this statue. Um, it's believed by some cryptozoologists to represent the Mokele Umimbe. It depicts a scaly animal with a long neck and a small head, cloven feet, a long tail, and a finned structure right below its tail. So going like from the base of the tail almost down to the booty hole is Mm -hmm. a fin on this thing at the base of its tail. Now, it is alongside a smaller animal with similar features, but no neck. So the large one has the long neck like the Mokele. The smaller one is kind of standing up with its back paws on the back end of the Mokele. But Mm -hmm. this creature doesn't have a long neck. It's just a normal neck and head. Now, the the relationship with the smaller animal, they say, is unclear. They don't know whether it's like a baby, a baby mokele, a baby (laughs) mokele. Wait a minute, what? I just, yeah. (laughs) I turned into the guy. It's a mokele baby. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Turned into the guy from the Austin Powers movie, a baby. Uh, yeah so a bebe mokele or um, a different creature um, they don't they really have no way of telling what it is because it's an older carving now it has been suggested that the carving may be a more modern creation uh, but it has apparently been at the uh, Glauco marriage house since at least the 1950s so decades before Western interest in the Mokele Umembe. So it's like a lot of other statues and cave drawings and stuff like that we have. It's hard to tell, hard to carbon date a statue. So you yeah. have to look off of 
the artwork known around that time. They don't know exactly when this thing was carved, but it's been there for at least 70 years. Now, like I said about the sources, most of these sightings and encounters come from the books that I've mentioned in the sources. Now, none of these sightings are super long and many aren't super detailed like we get with a lot of other cryptid or paranormal sightings, but there's a bunch of them and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to cover all of them, but we are going to get into quite a few. Now, the first known reference in print by, quote, Westerners was published by a French missionary to West Central Africa. His name was Abbey Levain Bonaventure Proyart in 1776. Take a bite out of that one. Yeah, I did my best. So we're not saying his full name ever again. Um, (laughs) Now, Proyart talked about his discovery of clawed footprints that were three feet wide and the set of tracks. um, So it was a set of tracks, not just one print. He saw an actual row of these tracks and they were three feet from one foot across to the other foot. Um, And then it had a seven foot stride that was left by a creature quote, which was not seen, but must have been monstrous. So seven foot stride and three feet wide, which is quite a big, quite a big animal to have a seven foot stride. Carl Hagenbeck, a famed animal collector was apparently the next to talk about the creature in a printed work in 1909. In his memoirs, he relayed conversations which he had had with big game hunters from the region who described a, quote, huge monster, half elephant, half dragon, inhabiting the Congo jungle. Yeah, I've, I've read about this, this particular account. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know the, it comes up when you when you look at dragon research, this yep. this story will come up too. Yep. All right, Adam. Hey, let's take a minute and and talk about one of our long term sponsors, Every Play. Now, if you've listened to the show, you've heard Adam and I talk about Every Plate and Hello Fresh. Well, Hello Fresh owns every plate right and every plate is is another meal delivery service but it is america's best value meal kit now while most meal kits come with a premium price tag every plate offers delicious dinners that won't break the bank so if you've been considering you know trying one of these uh meal delivery kit services Every plate is a fantastic place to start. Yes, it you know, is. You can you can really find some fantastic food, um, and and join in with your family in prepping a meal that you you know you're gonna love. It's gonna be delicious, and you're not gonna have just just spent just tons and tons of money on it. Yep, that's the thing that so, sets every plate apart from a lot of other meal meal services. Yeah. So you can let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. You get to choose from 17 delicious weekly recipes and then just sit back. They'll deliver pre-portioned ingredients and easy-to-follow recipe cards 
right to your front door. And when uh, we got home uh, the other day, the kids saw our every plate box sitting right there on the porch, and they were like, "Woohoo! Every plate!" Oh, I know. <laughs> I got home with uh, Michael uh, one day after school, and ours was sitting there on the porch, and he's like, "Is that what I think it is?" I'm like, "Yes, it is." He goes, "Awesome!" Because <laughs> he knows he gets to help cook dinner when we get those. Yeah, and it is such a great value. So think of it this way. One meal from every plate is about the same price as one cup of coffee. And it's probably cheaper than the pumpkin spice latte or or whatever (laughs) fancy coffee drink you buy when you go to the coffee shop. Yep, for sure. And we got a creamy smothered pork chops with crispy home fries and roasted carrots meal. Dude... That was um, I, I love pork chops anyway, but then when you add creamy and smothered onto the name of pork chops, I'm I'm down. And I've I've learned through every plate subscriptions that I like roasted carrots. I used to think I oh, didn't yeah. like carrots because I was like I it, there's something about I don't because I'd only had the raw carrots or I'd had that weird mushed carrot thing that my mm-hmm. family makes. The cool thing about every plate it turned me on to something new i like the cut up roasted carrots and that this meal has smothered pork chop you get the roasted carrots crispy little uh, home fry thing oh my god dude it was great and michael loved helping us cook it because you know he can't do everything but we're trying to teach him some blade work and and mixing the ingredients and with everything pre-portioned it's amazingly easy for him to get in there and help us right and my youngest She's not a big meat eater, but she loves pork chops. Yeah. I mean, she loves pork chops. And this meal, you know, out of this world for her. Oh, yeah. So if you want to get on board with every plate and like Matt and I just love it and love the low cost of this delivery, you can try every plate for just $1.79 per meal. All you got to do is go to everyplate.com and enter our code GRAVEYARD179. That's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-179. That's right, Adam. Get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering our code GRAVEYARD179. G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-179. Um, now, one of his informants referred to, quote, some kind of dinosaur seemingly akin to Brontosaurus, end quote. So he's getting his information from big game hunters, which, as you and I have talked before, Matt, hunters in an area are going to know the creatures in the area that they hunt. They're going to know how to track an animal. They're going to know what evidence these animals leave behind and if these big game hunters are saying they see something they've not seen before a half elephant half dragon or some kind of dinosaur Mm -hmm. then i'm gonna take them pretty seriously because they're out there all the time doing the hunting and out in the wilderness now in 1913 captain uh was dispatched to survey Cameroon. Now, emerging from the jungle with native reports of the river-dwelling Mokele Umembe, von Stein said, quote, 
The animal is said to be of a brownish gray color with a smooth skin. Its size approximately that of an elephant, at least that of a hippopotamus. It is said to have a long and very flexible neck. A few spoke about a long muscular tail like that of an alligator. Canoes coming near it are said to be doomed. The animal is said to attack vessels and to kill the crews, but without eating their bodies, end quote. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it's it's been described akin to, you know, the stories of sea monsters, mm-hmm. you know, of, of the sea serpent right. because of the either the long neck or the long tail. Yep, exactly. And the fact that it spends so much time in the water being amphibious mm-hmm. or at least accustomed to the water. Now, six years later, after that, on December 23rd, 1919, Captain Leicester Stevens told British reporters that he was setting out for Africa to hunt the brontosaur at a location that remained, quote, one of my secrets. Problem is, <laughs> nothing came of this exploration, despite how much he promoted it. Right. So he it's went out looking secret. for it. Yeah. Not telling you where I'm going. But I'm going over here to look for it, and oops, I found nothing. Yeah. (laughs) How convenient. Right? But even though that exploration failed, reports kept coming in about a prehistoric creature in and around the Congo. So that didn't have any effect on the sightings that people were having. Now, we've talked about at least one of these people before. Uh, maybe both of them, I can't remember. But in 1932, Ivan Sanderson, I know we've talked about him, mm-hmm. and Gerald Russell were canoeing on the Manu River in Cameroon which uh, when they had an experience that scared them. This is a cool one, Matt. Quote, when we were about in the middle of the mile and a half long winding gorge, The most terrible noise I have ever heard short of an oncoming earthquake or explosion of an aerial torpedo at close range suddenly burst from one of the big caves to my right. Gerald tried to about face in the strong swirling current, putting himself broadside to the current. I started to paddle like mad, but was swept close to the entrance of the cave from which the noise had come. Thus, Gerald and I were opposite its mouth. Just then came another gargantuan gurgling roar and something enormous rose out of the water, turned it to a sherry colored foam, and then again roaring plunged below. This quote thing was shiny black and was the head of something shaped like a seal, but flattened from above and below. It was about the size of a full grown hippopotamus. The head, I mean, end quote. Golly. So just I mean, the head, just the head, you yeah. know, we're not, we start talking about this hippo size head on, on a neck. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's really, really big. That's insane. And again, you know, it fits the, what the locals say about where it lives. It's in a cave on a river. Mm-hmm. They heard the noise. And then apparently it just lifted its head up on the neck and splashed back down. And the the head was that I 
that's the only one I found about the head being that big. Yeah. But it's Ivan Sanderson. So, I mean, not that everything he says is spot on perfect, but it's his job, was his job to be out there looking for this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he he was he was well respected. And I mean, maybe maybe that may cause people to believe, well, he's going to come up with some stories to right, make yeah, sure that sure. he continues to, you know, be a notable figure. Um, but as a rule, you know, what his research is, you know, considered to be accurate. Mm-hmm. So for this to be a, an account from him, I mean, it's got a lot of weight behind it. Right. There's right. there's no way to know if this was indeed um the Mokele Mimbe. Um but it was something. Yeah. You know, yeah. chances are he saw something and yep. it, it just kind of fits the locals description of this creature. So you start putting two to two together, you're like, that's eh, probably what it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the right location. And I mean, there's not much else that could have a head that big. Mm-hmm. Now, three years after that incident, witness Furman Mosomele saw a Mokele Umembe with a neck six to eight feet long idling in the Likuala Herbes River near Ipana, Republic of Congo. So three years after that, they this guy just saw something super long neck kind of floating in that river and the neck sticking up out of it. So think of Nessie type sightings where it had the big neck coming up out of the river. Now, in 1938, German explorer Leo von Boxberger, I bet you he was the um, the founder of White Castle Burgers. Fox burger. <laughs> Sorry. That's all I could think of when I saw his name. I was like, burger in a box must be White Castle. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. Sorry. Leo von Boxberger uh, collected more native tales of the Mokele, but his notes were lost in an attack by a hostile tribe. So I included that. Not that we're going to get anything out of it except that there were a ton of tales that we could probably have now, but apparently he and his party got attacked by a hostile tribe there and they stole his notes and burned them, something like that. So yeah, there's not a lack of stories coming out. There's just a lack of what we have access to because of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now, a group of pygmies, which... That's how they're referred to in the book and in that part of the country. So they're, I'll, I'll refer to them a few times as that because that's what they're called. They're called pygmies. Um, they allegedly trapped and killed a Mokele Umembe at Loctele, Republic of Congo, in the late 1950s. Now, afterward, after they killed this thing, they wanted to celebrate. So to celebrate... They ate it. They devoured its flesh. 
but everyone partaking of the meal reportedly died. So remember when I mentioned that its flesh was said to be poisonous? Yeah. This is one of the reasons that they say that. Everybody in that group that did not eat the flesh lived, but everybody who did died. So it poisonous or it's something paranormal, but I would go yeah. more with probably poisonous. Yeah. You know, there's some animals that we know you can't eat because they'll kill you. Like, look at uh, fugu. If you eat too much of that, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, But like, well, poison dart frogs, mm-hmm. you know, poison dart frogs are not, they don't shoot darts. They're called that because uh, tribesmen will use their toxin in blowgun darts. Yep. But their skin is toxic because of the. Uh, the the fungus and other plants that they feed on and and other you know venomous insects and things like that that's how right. their toxin is created so when you go into your pet your exotic pet store and you see poison dart frogs they've just been denied those toxins right so right. they're not poisonous they're just pretty yeah. um but it 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 makes me wonder if this if this creature is real where where would its toxin come from? You know, yeah. would it be something yep. that it produced naturally? You know, like you know, like a venomous snake, mm-hmm. or would it be something that it, you know, basically secreted because of its diet? What would it eat around there that would cause it to be poisonous? I'm not sure, That's but true. I'm sure there's there's plenty of poisonous plant life. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> around um, around the Congo River Basin. And yeah, it could be that it could be a mixture of a couple of the plants that it eats mm-hmm. creates when it mixes. It creates this. But like you said, it could also be just it it has poisonous glands that secrete this um, like they're uh, I think it's the cane toad. Mm-hmm. Um People in Australia will be able to tell me if I'm wrong because that's where it is. But cane toad secretes that out of glands in the back of its neck. It's like a white, sticky poison. And when it gets scared, it'll shoot out this uh, poison so that anything that eats it will die. Yeah. Right. So it, it could be similar with the Mokele. Now, with it being as large as it is, I don't know why it would need to do that. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. No. It wouldn't be, it w- wouldn't necessarily be a defense. I mean, no. the, you know, there's, at its size, I mean, there's not going to be another predator that's going to come after it. Right. Except for that Except for one, humans. Yeah. That one tribe that killed it. And it, it may be, Maybe nature's way of saying, yeah, you got me, but I'm going to get you in the end. Uh huh. You know, mother nature's a cruel beast and she, <laughs> she may have had the last laugh on that one. Now, a decade later, Congolese hunter Nicholas Mondongo saw a 30 foot specimen about the Likwala River between Bandeco and Mokanegui. So we got a 30 footer now that's been seen. That's one of the the biggest that has been reported that I have seen. 
Now, there have been quite a few cryptozoologists who have tracked the Mokaleo Membe through the Congo Basin over the decades. Let's run through a few. Now, James Powell, Roy Mackle, um, Marcellini Agnagna, J. Richard Greenwell, and Herman Register and his wife all made trips to search for the creatures between 1979 and 1983. So quite a few. This was kind of in the height of the Mokele craze where a bunch of cryptozoologists were looking for it. Now, Herman Register and his wife claimed to have a sighting at Lake Tele in October of 1981. But even though they had a camera and tape recorder, they couldn't produce any concrete evidence. Now, their audio that they got, that didn't match any known Congolese creature. So that's why I was saying this is that one that I mentioned earlier about the trumpeting call that it has. Mm -hmm. They actually recorded the sound of it, and it does not match any creature that's known in the Congo. So that's interesting. It's not Mm -hmm. concrete by any means, but it's interesting. Sure. Um, It's kind of like Bigfoot calls. Right. A, A lot of these Bigfoot calls, they say, don't match anything known in North America. Well, apparently this doesn't match anything known in the Congo. Um, but the video that they took of it was over, uh, was overexposed and pretty much worthless. So, you know, this is back, did not have digital video recorders then. So they overexposed the film. Now, several other cryptozoologists after them also had similar luck and their film and videos didn't show anything concrete due to overexposure uh, or blurriness. Now, Roy Mackle said he never saw the creature himself, but he says he did have one close call. One day while paddling down the Likuala River in a dugout canoe, his, gr- his group heard a loud plop sound and a large wake splashed up on the far bank. Now, the pygmy guides cried out, Mokeleo Membe, Mokeleo Membe. And Mackle and his colleagues believed that only a large animal could have caused the huge wake since hippos aren't in the Likwala area. They believe they just missed seeing the Mokeleo Membe. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I've looked, um, when you, when you look at where hippo populations are throughout Africa, there is just a huge empty spot yep. in the Congo where there is no hi- there are no hippos. Yep. They're not they're not there. So and why? Again, that's like Adam said, if there's no hippos, there's Mokele Mbebe uh sightings. Uh-huh. And so not, even then, Mackle knowing, you know, there's there's no hippos around here. And there's nothing else that big that, you know, would have made this kind of splash in the water. By default, it must be. Right. Right. And people always say, go to Occam's razor as an explanation. Okay. Well, not a hippo. um, Not an elephant, because you would, you'd, you'd 
an elephant doesn't really submerge. It doesn't hold its breath for long and submerge like that, like a hippo does. So the only other explanation would be the Mokaleomembe sightings or a creature that is being mistaken for the Mokele that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. That's right. And elephants don't really hide either. You know, you don't typically get a one off, you know, that's just roaming around. You know, the, yep. the the whole rogue elephant is is not that, you know, it's not just one that's just like, you know what? Forget y'all. I'm going off on my own. <laughs> and he's just marching around the river, you know, hanging out, being cool and, and you know, being the lone wolf. Yep. It just doesn't work and that way. Stalking you know, predators and stuff. You, you know, wouldn't know. I mean, you're like, well, there's it, it was probably an elephant because there's seven others right over there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, this comes from the Lauren Coleman book, Cryptozoology A to Z, um, says in despite all that, in 1992, members of a Japanese film crew uh, got some of the best photographic evidence of the Mokaleo Membe. They were flying over Lake Tele in a small aircraft, taking some aerial footage. They're wanting to get some panoramic landscape footage for a documentary that they were filming. And they noticed a large shape moving across the surface of the lake, which was leaving behind a V-shaped wake. Now, the cameraman zoomed in and got about 15 seconds of the object in motion before it dived under the surface again. The footage, even though it's jumpy and indistinct, shows a vertical protuberance at the front of the object, possibly a long neck. And a second shorter projection could be a humped back or tail. If it's not the Mokaleomembe, then it's hard to say what the animal is, since a crocodile wouldn't have the two protrusions protrusions above the water, and an elephant wouldn't submerge in the way that the object does. So almost exactly like a Nessie sighting. Mm Mm-hmm. You've got a long neck, a big wake, and then another hump behind it coming out of the water. So they don't know what what this could be if it was not a mokele. They have no idea what the creature could be. Now, Lauren Coleman says that the explanation that matches the best visually is two men in a canoe. However... The speed of the object is too fast for that, and only a powered boat could match that speed. Hmm. So, Two men in a canoe. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how that would cause the large neck sticking up, unless maybe one of them was standing up in the canoe and the other was sitting down. But... I don't know. Doesn't it seem like even from aerial footage... That whoever wasn't filming would have been able to go, it's just two people in a canoe. Yeah, you would think. I mean. And when he zoomed in, you would think he would be able to see like oars or something moving. Yeah. That would give it away. I just, I don't know for sure. I've never been, I don't know how high they were, but it just seems like looking down, you I'm not saying that they would be able to 100% identify what they saw, but it seems like that two men in a canoe, you would have been able to figure that out. 
Right. Right. You know, it, it wouldn't have, there wouldn't be this big mystery if that was the answer. Yep. I agree with you. Now, there is a known hoax of the Mokelio Membe. There was a video that aired on the TV show That's Incredible that ran from 1980 to 1984. I used to love now, that show. Yeah. Um, so you may have actually seen this, uh, this footage. Uh, but Roy Mackle investigated that footage. Now, he concluded that the video was hoaxed by making a balsa wood model of the creature and strapping it to the back of a very strong swimmer. But in that sense, okay, that video may be hoaxed, but what very strong swimmer is going to be out there hoaxing it with everybody that has seen it? You know, I don't I mean, know. And how could they hoax the hippo-sized head? Yeah, that, that, yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that was a hoax. Um, this video might very well be. Mm-hmm. Seems like a. I don't know. There seems like there would be a better way to pull that off other than putting a person underneath and swimming. Mm-hmm. How strong You'd of a think. swimmer do you need to mimic the motion of a large, you know, s- semi-aquatic? Oh, essentially reptile. Yeah. I mean, this this dude's got to be not only pretty powerful, swimming in the Congo, mm-hmm. he, he's got to be pretty brave. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, and swimming in his, that river. Hold his breath for a really long time. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, I mean, even if that one video is faked, like Mackle says, I that, to me, can't explain all the sightings over all the years is people hoaxing it like that. And, uh, you know, Michael is just, he, he probably wants that to be true or he probably wanted that to be true as much as what we would, Mm -hmm. you know, but at least he's looking at it with, you know, a critical eye. Sure. To say this just, I'm just not seeing enough here for me to say, yep, that's, Somebody actually got this on video. Right, right. Now, this next little bit comes from Thought Co. And it, it, they go into what they think is the most likely explanation. So we'll, we'll look at that. It says the most likely explanation for Mokele Omembe is that it's simply a myth. In fact, some African tribes refer to this creature as a ghost rather than a living animal. Now, thousands of years ago, this region of Africa may well have been inhabited by elephants or rhinoceros and folk memories of these beasts stretching back for dozens of generations may well account for the Mokele Umembe legend. Now, I, I'll i give you that for mm-hmm. some of these things. Um, there, I'm sure, is the, the folk memories. It's that way with a lot of things there are folk memories of mm-hmm. you know your ancestors see something and they tell you and then it just gets passed on to mm-hmm. you yeah. and you can say well this creature still lives out there but i don't think folk memories accounts for all of the sightings and any of the deaths attributed to the mokele i don't think a folk memory would do that that's just me i don't know no no i imagine it 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 handles a lot of them, but I don't think it's, it, it's not everything. Right. 
All right, Matt. So let's take a second and talk about one of our sponsors and my favorite, hands down favorite set of earbuds that I have ever owned. We need to talk about Raycon. I like to wear these things when I go out in public. I like to wear them when I go to the gym. And whatever you challenge yourself to do this year, there's no better way to do it than with a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears. And I completely agree because if I'm not having to talk to somebody, I've got my Raycons in. (laughs) And even when I have to talk to people, sometimes I have my Raycons in so I don't have to hear everything they're saying. But that's just a personal thing. Now, Raycon wireless earbuds are the best way to bring audio with you because no matter how much you shake things up, literally, no matter how much you shake, you know they won't fall out of your ears. And their everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. And I completely agree. Like I said, I wear them to the gym. I wear them when I'm working around the house. And lately, I've been outside trying to prep the garden for gardening season since it is spring. And I'm out there. I've got my earbuds in. And I'm sweating. I'm turning the soil and bending over and moving around. And they never fall out. They're comfortable. They sit right in your ear. And, you know, you pick the little silicone tip that fits your ear best and guess what you don't even realize they're in after a while yeah oh yeah and the, and that silicone tip my my son borrowed mine okay and he has another brand but he wanted to try mine and he was like well they just don't fit they just don't fit i said i got you you know the smaller tip they fit just perfect yep. and and he loved the fact that they don't fall out yeah uh, amanda borrowed them and I've been trying to convince her to get a pair. She's got a different brand too, and and they no longer work. And I'm like, Raycon. I oh like, yeah, trust me. So she borrowed them for a few days, and she said the same thing. They won't come out. And I said that that's right. And one of my one of my favorite things to do is listen to music while I'm mowing the grass. Mm-hmm. Okay, the awareness mode is fantastic you can if you need to hear what's going on around you you, you can but without that on okay unlike other brands where the mower noise is going to drown out what you're listening to you don't have to worry about that with raycons because you've got those silicone tips holding them in your ears mm-hmm. okay but they're also helping to block out the excess sound and you can still hear your music while sitting on a mower. I know. So, it's great. And yeah, it's it's fantastic. Like you and I were talking, Matt, we found this out the other day with Raycons. Now, I have a pair. Ashley has a pair. And Michael has a pair. We found out the other day, sitting in the truck before we went into the gym, we can all pop our Raycons out and put them in, in the same vicinity and they won't try to connect to any other phone. They immediately go to your phone. It's a seamless pairing. You know, sometimes you get other brands and they, they'll they try to connect to any other phone or any Bluetooth, anything around right. there. These don't. Once you get them set to your phone, doesn't matter what's going on around you. You pull it out of the case, it immediately connects to your phone. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you like a little extra bass, you want to catch the... The, the higher tones in the music or the audiobook or the podcast you're listening to, you have three different listening modes where you can adjust the audio to make it even more enjoyable. 
Right. So, I mean, hands down, these are the best wireless earbuds I've ever used. And Graveyard Tales listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash tales. That's right. Go to buyraycon, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash tales, T-A-L-E-S, to save 15% off your Raycon order. Buyraycon.com slash tales. This also says that the most reasonable and agreed upon explanation is that the Mokele Omembe is a legend based on the black rhinoceros, a species once common to Central Africa where the stories of the Mokele Omembe originated. My problem with that is the tribes would know a rhinoceros. Right. The tribes would even know a black rhinoceros, which maybe doesn't live in the area anymore, but it still resembles the rhinoceros that we have now. They wouldn't imagine a giant large neck and head on this thing. It doesn't account for any tracks seen. Yeah. So I I don't know that I that I agree with that. Yeah. But it's one of the explanations that they gave. Now, to conclude this, Matt, before I ask you your thoughts here. Um there are other dinosaur-like creatures that have been said to roam the African wilderness and we've talked about a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Um but if you leave out the flying ones that we've talked about, the reports of the terrestrial creatures vary widely. Mm-hmm. But this is not the case with the Mokelio Membe. All reports of this creature are so similar that it lends a little bit of credibility to there being something out there that people are seeing. Cryptozoologist Carl Schuker said, quote, If dinosaurs could exist unknown to science anywhere in the world, the Likwala is where they would be. End quote. Right. So, Matt, what do you what do you think? What are your thoughts on the Mokele Umembe? I agree with Carl Schuker, mm-hmm. and and I and I have since I, I first read that particular quote, you know, a while back. Just based on the geography, and and what I mentioned at the top of the show, how difficult it is to thoroughly and adequately research and explore that area if if something like this was going to survive or if there was going to be a species of animal that that met the the description of the Mokele Mbembe it would be right here uh-huh. i mean it, it, if if not on some remote island that you know was almost impossible to get to this this would be the place yep um you know if you look at photographs of the congo river it it's there's there's nothing but trees to the point of you're not you can't even see anything but tops of trees it it looks like you're looking at the ground Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. covered. So imagine if it's that thick 
how are you going to get in there and right. and search? Right. Plus, it's massive. I mean, you could you could search for years and not cover all of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even if you stick to the river, it's still going to be extraordinarily difficult. And you still have such a large number of sightings. I, I tend to I tend to think that this is not a dinosaur that managed to survive. This is a descendant creature yep. that's yep. that's related. And you know, it, it it it's just very, very good at being undetected. There's nothing there that is gonna compete with a creature that large. It doesn't appear to be a predator, so we're not seeing, you know, the the absence of of other animals. Yeah. You know, no kills it, to be yeah, able to find. It'll attack, but it's only going to attack something um, that would be a threat to its territory. It's not going to hunt and eat it. Mm-hmm. We've already said there's no hippos in this area. Right. Okay. Um. I would imagine that any elephants in this area uh, are able to steer clear of this thing. Yep. Um, you know the 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 rest of the of the mammal population is made up of many species of gorilla and monkey and you know other other primates. They're you know they're not going to mess with it. You know they're they're smart. They go up. Right, <laughs> we're we're not fooling with this thing. So it, it it pretty much just has you know run of the land. Yep. So I, why not? I mean, it's it, it's of course fun to think about, uh, but I don't really see that there's been enough adequate research and exploration to say it it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they definitely haven't done enough to rule it out totally. Yeah, and it, it's much harder to prove something's non-existence rather than prove its existence. That's right. So I'm kind of with you. I think I don't know that you've got an actual apatosaurus running around Africa. But like you, I think it's something that evolved from the dinosaur DNA and still retains some of the size and and, uh, features of these dinosaurs, but has been able to evolve to live in today's climate. So not quite as big as the brontosaurus, the apatosaurus would be like Mm -hmm. a a miniature version of that. But yeah, it's, it's in an area that even though there are people around there, there's not huge populations that would run it out of its territory where it could be seen or that have set foot on every square inch of the Congo river. There's some parts of the Congo River you just can't make it to. No matter how hard you try, you're probably not going to make it there. And that's where these things could live. And, yeah, Shuker was 
100% correct in his quote that if it was going to live anywhere, this is where it would live. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I think there's a high possibility, if not a probability, that something like that does exist there. Mm-hmm. Y'all know, I think the pterosaur type creatures could also live in Africa because there's ample room to hide and a place for it to fly and, and live without being found. It's the same for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you've got a dinosaur walking through Florida, the swamps in Florida. That's You'd right. see it there. That's right. It's so, the South beach Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're typically pink, you know, mm-hmm. wear really large sunglasses. <laughs> yep. Then tops are sunburned constantly. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean it. It just it's a, it's another African cryptid that is is most likely in existence. It, mm-hmm. At least you know, maybe an offshoot of another species. But there's a really good chance that there's something there uh, that yep. just hasn't been you know, discovered or, and identified. I think this is one of the creatures that if we were able to give it proper research time, proper study, um, just like Sasquatch, I believe you would find something, Mm -hmm. maybe not what we think it is, maybe not what we think we're seeing or what the tales have said, but there's going to be something that we did not know of that accounts for these sightings. And I think it's it's a hidden creature. I mean, it's the the definition of cryptozoology. Mm-hmm. It, it's I, I don't know. What what do you guys think? After hearing all this, after maybe doing your own research or or hearing about it from some other source, what do y'all think about the possibility of the existence of the Mokelio Membe that, what do you think it is? Do you think it is a dinosaur like an Apatosaurus that is living in Africa? Do you think it's an unknown creature that is getting lumped into the dinosaur type thing? Or do you think it's all folk memories and it doesn't really exist? I'm very curious. So let us know in the Facebook group or, or something like that. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Um, and while you're doing that, you can slide over to our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And on our site, you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And we, we mentioned that earlier. Uh, thank you, everyone who has donated to the show. You, you have oh, yeah. no idea how much it helps. Don't forget to please rate and review us on iTunes. That's the quickest way that Graveyard Tales can come up in the ranks and makes it easier to find. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I, I can I can hear the rain coming. <laughs> we beat it, though. We beat it. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.